Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement, and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. My name is Tom Hunt and today we're joined by Cara Gillian Murphy, who is currently running sales operations at Shipwell. Uh, a background in uh, process, consulting, business operations, and then a transition into sales ops. So we're going to cover that today. Cara, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. No worries. And let's first start out by understanding, um, I've, I have a rough overview of your career, but at some point in the last, I think it was four or five years, you did focus in on sales ops. So I'd like to understand uh, kind of why you did that and then where you are at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, um, my background is I started in technology as a developer, um, and then I moved into process improvement, um, change management, really a big focus on operations. Um, a lot of my early career was really just focused on um, the customer and customer loyalty and customer satisfaction. Um, and it, throughout my career, um, morphed into working with some sales teams um, and then ended up, you know, it, it's really a great fit to have the technology background, the people background, the process background to be in a sales ops role. Um, so a few, gosh, six, six years ago or so, I landed um, just focusing more on sales ops. Um, but again, the, just the background of the customer focus and the process and technology was really just a great fit. Yeah, makes makes total sense. And do, do you now see your customer as the salesperson? Um, no, I still see the customer as, you know, putting yourself in the shoes of the prospect or the customer in our perspective, you know, um, my customer, I guess would be the sales team because it's still kind of a consulting ish role being a sales ops. Um, but at the end of the day, if you put yourself in the shoes of our prospect or our customer, you can really deliver such a better service really. And you can help sell better when you put yourself in their shoes. So I think it provides a different perspective than a sales, you know, a typical sales ops or a typical head of sales might have. 
So I think it's just, I think it benefits me and it benefits my perspective on the role. Yeah, makes total sense. And so today, can you just give us a sense of uh, the size of sales team you're working with at Shipwell and then also the size of the sales ops team? <laughs> the sales ops team is me. So it's just one, <laughs> which, you know, I would love to have, you know, extra help. But as we grow, it'll that'll grow as well. Um, our current team is eight people. We have five SDRs and three salespeople. Um Pre-COVID, we had about 18. Um, so we've definitely we've cut our sales force tremendously. Um, but we have a really, um, really experienced, skilled, nimble, and tight team right now. So it's actually selfishly been really beneficial. Um, we can move quickly. Um, they work together really well. So it's been a it's been actually a good experience right now. Yeah, it's super interesting, isn't it? You see almost how you only see how slow you were when you kind of make when you downsize the team i've had that before and you you're wondering to yourself wow were we really like this uh, i don't know what's the word non-nimble before because now you have this smaller team maybe there's better relationships and everything just happens really fast yeah, so i've definitely it, experienced that yeah it allows you to change at a dime which is a lot easier it just it's it's quite nice um, I would say though, you know, when we had the huge team, a lot were new, so we were still onboarding. Um, so there is always the challenge there. Anytime you're bringing on a whole bunch of new talent, you're you're trying to up level and train everyone. Um, so that also makes things a little slower. Sure. Um, and what's the current sales tech stack you're running? Um, we currently have Salesforce for our CRM. Um, we use Gainsight for our customer success platform. Um, we actually are installing PX, which Gainsight PX, which will um, help both the customer success side as well as our uh, engineering team to you know provide better service to our to our actual customers. Um, we use Pardot for for the marketing, um, bringing in our marketing leads um, in the transition into Salesforce. We also use Inside View in Zoom Info um, for just getting lead information um, and sales na- LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Makes sense. Awesome. Uh, now you've already you already have alluded to some of the changes that were made over the past few months. Um, what have been the biggest challenges as you've shifted to a more remote sales force? Um, I think the, some of the biggest challenges have been just maintaining that team camaraderie. Um, you know, we had really an amazing environment in our offices. Um, we have two offices, one in Austin and a smaller one in Chicago. Um, and just the environment, Austin's our headquarters. Um, the environment is probably the biggest thing that everybody misses. Um, it was just a really lively, it was a place that people really enjoyed going to. So I think that's the biggest struggle, but really just having all of our technology cloud-based um, and the ability to, we transitioned really fast and easily. It was actually ridiculous and impressive. Um, within, I think, you know, within a day, everyone was working from home and just rocking and rolling. We had, we didn't have any hiccups. Um, so it was, it was great. But again, it's because everything we have is cloud-based and everyone was able to just pick up their laptops and continue to do things from home. Um, Amazing. Yeah, it's been, it was a surprise and it was fantastic. I mean, even our engineering and teams were able to just flip over and go remote. So it, it was, it, w- it was an easy transition from that side. But again, just the, the lack of 
camaraderie and culture, it's been definitely more of a challenge to maintain that. Sure. Have you made any operational, cultural, or tech changes since you have gone remote? Um, I mean, aside from more frequent, small meetings, um, you know, in, instead of the twice a week, we're now meeting for a couple minutes every day, just a quick check-in. We've not put in any new technology or anything, though, because, again, we were, we were really ready to transition right over. Um, you know, even our phones, we just could move them over and keep going. Um, so it wasn't, you know, I guess people... I think there was a little bit of, some people use their cell phones more so than their work phone, um, which actually ended up helping us. So no, I mean, I don't really, we didn't have any, we didn't add anything and we didn't really have any transitions. Um, I think outside of the sales world, some people ended up getting on Zoom that didn't have it before, but otherwise, no, I mean, we've been, especially the sales world, we've, we've just, we've been fine. It was pretty seamless. We've also allowed all of our people to, um, work wherever they want. So most of the people who were in Austin before have not most, at least on my team, I'd say half have relocated elsewhere. So it's, it's, it's allowed people to live where they want and work where they want. And I'm jealous of a lot of the people who seem to be traveling every week to some new location to work. So it's been, it's, it's added some benefits too. Do you think that like, let's say in like six months, everything's back to normal. Do you think everyone will go back into the office? At our company, no, I don't think so. I think some people will, but in general, we've put in a, um, a remote policy that you can you know, work wherever you want, which allows and enables us to hire people anywhere. Um, so you can get talent. It broadens your talent pool, really. Um, so that's been, that's been good for our hiring perspective. Um, but no, I don't, I think people will go back, but not as many. I mean, I look at my team and again, half of them have moved. The other half, um, you know, one says he'll go in once in a while. Another one said, nope, I want to be remote. And, um, you know, again, a couple, I, I, I don't see people going in every day again. I, I yeah. just more of a, like back in consulting, we had hoteling for desks. And I could see that becoming more of the norm that some people go in, people go in, you know, choose their dates that they go in and just grab an open desk type situation. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. Um, have the targets or objectives of the business changed? Um, I think we, we, we adjusted down a little bit in, you know, Q3, or I'm sorry, Q2. Um, but really, we're, it hasn't tremendously. Um, it hasn't slowed any of our technical rollouts. It hasn't slowed um, really any of our projections. Um, we've seen we've seen some of the sales, some of the prospects shift a bit. Um, you know, obviously there was definitely a bit of a lull when you know everything went crazy back in March. Um, but otherwise, it's it's no, we've not really addressed any. We have not changed much. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the sense that you guys are almost prepared for a global pandemic. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say I don't that. think we prepared for one, but <laughs> we were able to, and given our business in the ability mm -hmm. to provide visibility into, you know, your supply chain, that's one of the biggest things that broke down during this pandemic were people's supply chains. And mm -hmm. having, we've actually gotten some new customers because people couldn't didn't have visibility into what was going on in their supply chain. Now they can. So 
it's, it's benefited us in a lot of ways. So that's been <laughs> a good place to be. I couldn't sure. have a better company to join, right? <laughs> Um, okay, so let's let's talk about the the, the normal forecasting process. How, how are you currently forecasting, and what is your role as sales ops in that process? Um, I'm very involved in the process. Um, our current process, you know, we again we use Salesforce, so we capture you know all of the deals within Salesforce within the opportunities. We rely heavily on our sales or on our AEs to enter the right information to make sure they're capturing, you know, what kind of revenue we're looking at, what kind of close dates. Um, probably, and I really rely heavily on the probabilities. So I, you know, I trust them to say, you know, is this 80% likely? Is this 20% likely? And really utilize that um, to guide where we are. Um, I, I've always used the weighted, like figuring out weighted contract value so that you can take the probability essentially times the contract value and figure out you know, what we're really looking at at the end of the day. So I think that helps a lot. Um, and it really helps to have a, a solid sales team that enters things correctly and monitors it correctly. Um, we have weekly meetings to go through things. Um, you know, I request updates midweek as well, just to make sure that people are monitoring and staying on top of things. But a lot really depends on the quality of your salespeople who are entering the information. So again, the team we have right now is fantastic and on top of it. So it's a lot more accurate. That hasn't always been the case. So um, it's it makes my life a lot easier at the moment to have just the right information. I mean, historically, it's just staying on top of people and making sure they're capturing the right information because we can't we can't see what we don't know. Yeah. Sure. And then on to, to KPI. Since you've been in sales ops specifically, what would you say if you're, well, not your favorite, but your the metric that you get most value from? We monitor conversion rate a ton. Um, that's probably the number one thing that the president and CEO are looking for um, all the time. As you know, obviously I am as well, but we monitor the conversion rate you know, across the board overall, but I'm also watching, hey, what's our conversion rate from demo to close? What's our conversion rate from, um, you know, opportunity creation to close? So all of those different, really the conversion rates are a lot of what I measure and a lot of what I use to determine what our goals are for next quarter. Um, so, you know, we have revenue goals and then, okay, well, what do you, what do we need to get in a pipeline and to fill the top of the funnel in order to, you know, allow that to happen? So that's my biggest one. Um, in general, though, you know, what kind of leads are coming in? What are we creating? Um, but then, you know, looking at how are things transitioning from stage to stage, um, win rates, everything else. But conversion is my number one because I feel like one versus lost isn't always as actionable as a, you know, what are we actually converting out of the entire pipeline? Yeah. And do you also break down and look at conversion rate, say, by rep or by industry, if you target different industries? Um, I don't look at it by industry. Um, I, When we had a larger team, I looked at it by rep. Um, I Honestly, I haven't looked at it since May, <laughs> or mm. basically with, these, with the folks we have right now, um, because it's such a small group that it's easier to just gauge where things are. Yes, absolutely, with a large team. I absolutely did before. And I think it's super relevant um, with, you know, more than three people that you're monitoring. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I assume that the 
the metrics you guys have been tracking haven't changed with the virus, just like uh, everything else has been just the same as it was before because you guys have adapted so effectively? Um, no, we really haven't. Um, I mean, we're definitely, we're looking at more of the leads coming in, I would say, are the metrics that we're monitoring post-pandemic or, you know, during the pandemic. Um, the leads coming in has been a bigger focus for sure, um, just because those altered once, you know, everything went into chaos. But we, you know, the conversion rate is still probably our number one. Um, but again, a bigger focus has occurred within our leads, in our lead generation. You know, what's coming in? What industries are they coming in from? Um, you know, are they coming from marketing or sales generating them? So there has been a bigger lead focus for sure. Sure. Awesome. Well, I mean, that was a super like interesting look at a at a company that seems to be sailing through the the current um, state of the world, which is always great to hear. Now, final two questions: Who in your sales ops career have you learned from the most? Um. So I have to say, because I haven't been in sales ops necessarily for that long. Um, Eric Marcy from a sales ops, he's, uh, he was the CRO of AdGuru, which is my last company that was acquired by Kantar. He's now a president of Kantar. Um, he was definitely the sales ops side, but I would say, um, in my whole career, I mean, Bill Walsh, when I was at eLoyalty, a consulting firm, he was the one who took me out of essentially technology and the whole, uh, systems development lifecycle world of like tech and testing and project management and pulled me into my the process improvement and change management. Um, so had he not done that, I probably wouldn't have gone down this path. So I would say those two are probably two of my biggest ones that helped me along the way. Um, and then Chris Lonsway, who was um, a mentor of mine when I was um, at LaSalle Bank, just he's an expert in organizational design. So learning how to structure teams and learning how to um, manage that communication plans and everything else. So I would say those three are probably my biggest, ones who most inspired me and helped me along. Amazing. And then the final question is somebody, somebody else who maybe you don't know or maybe you do within sales ops that you would love to take for lunch. Yeah, you, that was one of the questions you asked. I have no idea. I don't really know anyone in sales ops mm-hmm. because yeah. I've been in this weird little process in getting here that it's been, um, I don't really know anyone else. And I've always been this party of one. So um, I'm open to any suggestions. Though. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening or watching and you know a lot about sales ops um, and you're a really interesting person, then feel free to to reach out and then maybe Absolutely. have a re- remote lunch. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, amazing. Cara, well, thank you so much for coming on and I guess sharing what almost best practice looks like when when, when going through a turbulent world. I know that you guys, that there, there, there's some potential advantage because of the, you know, the, the nature of your product, but it oh. seems like you guys as an organization and as a sales function seem, seem to have adapted pretty, pretty well. So it's just a great, it was a great story to tell. Yeah. So, and lucky me for having come on to this great company. In a, luck, in this environment. luck or skill, Cara. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for coming on. Hey, right, thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. 
If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com. 